0: Grace, peace and mercy are yours from the Triune God. Amen. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into the one belonging to Simon Peter and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. A colleague of mine who was uh, starting a new church in Seattle was once asked. What special skill or charism is needed to be a church planter, to set up folding chairs in a rented space each week, to put some bread and wine on a card table and invite anyone who might even be vaguely interested to come and receive? What does it take to be a church planter, they asked. His answer, mainly a station wagon. I thought of that this week when reading our gospel text because I've often wondered what in the world qualified Simon Peter to be the first disciple called to follow Jesus, especially what we know about the guy now. I mean, throughout the gospels, he enthusiastically gets almost everything wrong. Uh, At one point, he cuts off the ear of some guy like he's suddenly a character in a Quentin Tarantino film, and then, After swearing he'd never leave Jesus, he denies him on the night he died, and not just once, if you remember, it was like three times. So what special trait or charism qualified Simon Peter to be called as his disciple? I think maybe Jesus just needed a guy with a boat, (laughs) and like Peter had a boat. I mean, given what we know about the guy, it's hard to make the case that Peter was a disciple because he had some kind of spiritually special thing about him that we should admire. But this week, having studied this text, I found myself appreciating Peter's simple faith more than I think I ever have. And here's why. Because at least he was honest He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we have worked all night long and we've caught nothing. You see, if, as the text says, he was cleaning his nets, he was done. He had practically already gotten home for the night and put on his sweatpants and poured himself a drink. He was done. And I imagine, also, he was exhausted. Exhausted by prolonged effort met only with failure. We've been fishing all night and caught nothing, he says to Jesus. I've always focused on the abundant catch of fish part of this text, but this week, I couldn't stop thinking about this part of the text. A part I never really noticed before, But maybe that's because I've never preached this story as the world was entering the third year of a global pandemic before. (laughs) See, I don't know about you, but I am exhausted. I've gone through all the same stages of this thing that you have. The initial creativity of lockdown in March two years ago, the fun Zoom happy hour with friends, and the newfound love of baking the comfort of wearing yoga pants all day, the inordinate amount of TV, and then the social isolation, and then the malaise, but then the hope of the vaccines, and then that competitive period of trying to get the vaccines, and the joy of ripping masks off and traveling again that lasted like 45 minutes before Delta the effort we've all had to make to balance staying safe with staying mentally healthy, the endless masking and testing and anxiety, the endless disappointments, the endless COVID symptoms. I'm exhausted. He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long and we've caught nothing. So yeah, I'm exhausted, and if I'm honest, I do not wanna go into the deep. I wanna stay near the comfort of the shore. I just finished cleaning my nets and I'm ready for my pajamas and Netflix. I wanna stay close to the shore, Jesus, because I know that in the Hebrew scriptures, the deep is where chaos and the unknown reside. This week, I started to realize that maybe we aren't at-the-shore people anymore anyhow, and maybe we haven't been at-the-shore people for a long time now. In this text, we aren't a curious crowd just a few comfortable meters from home listening on the hill to Jesus. We are Peter, somewhere between exhaustion and the deep, trying to still have faith, While the economy is chaotic and the healthcare system is teetering and for the last two years any human being standing near us might kill us with their breath, the thing all those meditation and yoga teachers tell us to pay attention to, like it'll save us. So here today in this place, in this place between exhaustion and the deep, I'll just say the obvious. Uh, I don't think coffee mug faith is gonna save us right now. Faith that is really just a cheerful outlook sprinkled on top of an already good life may have helped us in the past, but now it's useless. In order for it to be of any help, faith can't be the decorations and the furniture. It has to be the load-bearing structure that can withstand flood and fire and pandemic. Because faith isn't the thing that goes first when a crisis happens. Faith is the thing that is left after a crisis happens. When the power of positive thinking has failed us and empty promises of late stage capitalism have failed us and our attempts to change ourselves and others have failed us. And when our vision for what our lives are supposed to look like right now failed us. When our bodies and our dreams have failed us. Simple faith. Remains. I think Peter actually teaches us that. Because Peter's faith is the kind that is honest about exhaustion and failure, honest about what life really feels like, and then still says, and yet. He said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch and Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long and we've caught nothing and yet, if you say so, I will let down my nets. It's easy to confuse having faith with ignoring reality in favor of some kind of delusional positivity, but toxic positivity never helps anything and it's particularly unhelpful right now, I would say. I mean, the other day, after another lousy news cycle, I posted a tweet that said, I think maybe we should all be checking in on our optimist friends right now. (laughs) Because, friends, we are between exhaustion in the deep. And facing the deep can be terrifying. And we may long to return to the shores of 2019 But I want you to know that when I was studying that Greek word for the deep this week, I I found that it, it shows up somewhere else in the New Testament, and it shows up in Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor the deep bathos, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can admit that we are exhausted and do not wish to go to the deep and yet we can know that even here, even here, we will not be separated from the mothering protective love of God. That doesn't fit on a coffee mug. But it doesn't need to. Uh, Anyone who's heard my preaching knows I seldom get through a sermon without talking about television. So here it goes. Um, In closing, there was a surprising depiction recently of faith being what's left when everything else has failed us in the uh, Netflix movie Don't Look Up in which a meteor is moments away from destroying the Earth. The characters are in the deepest part of the deep, and when putting faith in political solutions and big tech has failed them, they face their last moments by gathering for a Thanksgiving-style meal, a net straining feast of gladness and gratitude, and they know at that moment that something else is needed, and that something is prayer. In the midst of the world, quite literally ending, no one was practicing self-improvement or attempting to manifest some kind of excellence at that point. They were praying. The Timothy Chalamet character, the least likely character at the table, a skate punk, proceeds to pray a prayer, the words of which have not left me since the first day I saw the film. The world was about to be destroyed and yet, he prayed, dearest father and almighty creator, we ask for your grace tonight despite our pride, your forgiveness despite our doubt. Most of all, Lord, we ask for your love to soothe us through these dark times. May we face whatever is to come in your divine will with courage and open hearts of acceptance. We haven't been on the shore for quite a while. We are exhausted. And yet, despite our pride, there is grace in the deep. Despite our doubt, there is forgiveness in the deep, not to mention, yes, a whole lot of fish. The protective love of God is soothing us here in this dark time, allowing us to face whatever is to come with courage and open hearts of acceptance. So, with the simple and yet faith, the simple and yet faith of Peter, we can say, Amen.